welcome. Yay, that worked out. Hold on. I just want to say it. I got it to work. So I'm already happy. <laughs> you got it to work. One, one, one second into my intro, just literally one second. And he was like, hey, I got it to work. <laughs> I did it. I did it. This is our first time doing this live chat. And I like exciting. this live show in like ever. I have never yeah. ran this thing. And we still was always like, oh, it's really hard. And I was like, it's not that hard, bro. But there's like a bunch of buttons and stuff. So I, I'm getting to. Okay, so that's how you go. There you go. All right. Hold on. All right. Pause. Restart. Welcome to another edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. This is an hour-long podcast where we discuss all things Mexican soccer. I'm Cesar Hernandez, your host for the latest episode. And that voice you heard earlier is my co-host, Amy Lopez. Amy, how are you? How are you doing? I'm good. There's a, lo there's a lot of soccer. There's a lot of Mexican soccer. There's a lot to talk about. There is. There's tons of stuff to talk about. Uh, we have another guest joining us. He just walked into the green screen. So I'll okay. be entering him into the studio in a little bit. But for those of you who are joining the pod for, I think, selfish reasons, yes, we will be having a giveaway at the end of the show. Basically, oh, make sure you comment on wherever you're watching this from. And I will enter you. And I'm going to show you right now so you guys can know. I'll put you in this cute little thing that I found out from my good friend, Brenda. Let me go ahead and find it here so I can show it to everybody. It's loading. Give it a second. So I'm going to enter your name here on this cute Whoa. little wheel of names. And at the end, of, as I see the comments in whatever area, whether it's YouTube, Periscope, whatever, and as the end of the show comes to its conclusion, I will be spinning this wheel. And then that's how we'll determine who the winner of the giveaway is. So you'll be getting a jersey and all that good stuff. So Cesar, I'm going to let my our guest also join in. So that all right. we can introduce them. There he is. There he is. Can you hear us, Keith? Hi, guys. I yeah, can indeed. Okay. How are you guys doing? Doing well, Keith. Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Me? So for those... Yeah, yeah, we could definitely hear you. So for those... Uh, just joining in. That's uh, that's friend of the pod, Keith Costigan. Keith, how you doing, man? Uh, hopefully, you can do some multitasking. Are you driving right now? Are you recording? Like, are you parked? I'm 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 confused, but also fascinated. I promise, I am parked. I'm not gonna try drive and uh, and, and be a part <laughs> of the show. So, uh, yeah, I'm up in Ventura. I, I I help run an academy up here, so um, just got nice. off the field. So um, yeah, I wanted to come on and bask in my, you know. Uh, the Laguia Bracket yeah. Madness Championship, and uh, I wanted to gloat, you know. And I wish I could tell you guys all how I did it and what was my secret, but I have absolutely no clue how I ended up winning that. Well, let's dive right in because we gotta we gotta talk about that. We're gonna begin with the big news from the weekend. Well, at least the big news in North American soccer. But Grusasur champions, the curse is over. Grusasur defeated Santos. Most importantly, as Keith mentioned right there. Keith saw this happening. Uh, he went with Cruz Azul in our prediction competition. Uh, he defeated me in the final. Uh, uh, and then the final, I went with uh, Santos. But so first, Keith, congratulations, man. I got to uh, send you uh, some congratulations. And secondly, let's just dive right into it because we got a lot of soccer to talk about today. So you definitely had faith in Cruz Azul when some of us didn't. Oh, I think we lost Keith. He, oh, he, he was so excited to talk about he, he literally just came in to gloat and then he left. <laughs> and then he left. <laughs> and then he I'll left. Answer his question on his behalf. Um, I spoke, we spoke about this last time on the Liga MX, pre, uh, Liga MX preview, I yep. think like a week and a half ago, right? I felt like 
this time around, it wasn't funny anymore. And I think a lot of people had that general feeling going into this match. Like, it wasn't funny anymore. Like, the Cruciolada, the curse, like, you didn't want it to continue. I think last season was so bad that you were kind of just like, okay, finally, can they finally win? It didn't seem like they were going to. Um, and then sure enough, they get that first goal in the first leg. And so you're like, okay, they have that momentum working in their favor. Now Santos has to essentially go into the Azteca and try to score two and try to complicate it for them. And, it, you know, it, it didn't work out for Santos in that second leg. And I think it kind of took a little bit of time for Cruz Azul as well in that second leg. But I think that, you know, once Luis Roma scores that goal, it was just like, we're, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're actually going to do it. And I think it, it, it lifted a weight off of all of their shoulders. It lifted a weight of so many fans. I think what got me the most was you knew it was going to be a significant moment. You really did think like this is going to be it. You know, the curse is over, if you will. But I was shocked in a good way at how many like broadcasters, announcers, you know, fans, whatever, were actually very emotional about the win. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, I was watching, I think it was like Linea de Cuatro or something on uh, 2DN, and they had one of the 2DN commentators, they're like replaying, um, I can't believe I forgot, I forgot his name. Uh, sometimes all the commentators' names just like all <laughs> mixed together. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It was Villa, wasn't it? It was Papa I think, so, I think so. I forget. But they like, they had, they were like replaying like the video of him just like banging his fist on the table and just like screaming essentially after Cruz Azul had, had won the title. And yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal because I mean, remember, I mean, I think sometimes people need a little bit of a memory of like why this is a big deal. But remember, despite the fact that Cruz Azul are a big four team in Mexico, you know, they haven't won a title since 1997 and they've gone on to six finals since then without winning a title. And it's interesting. Like if, if there was even a traditional European style season that matched up, you know, the Apertura and Clausura together, Cruz Azul would have had five trophies since that title in 1997. But of course, it wasn't until over the weekend that they finally got that second title since 97 and their ninth overall. So, I mean, it just feels like there's been such a weight lifted. It really feels like there's been such a significant weight lifted off of them. And yeah, most importantly for them too and for their fans, like we can't really make fun of them anymore, right? I mean, I feel like that's that's... The, the, the curse is gone, right? I mean, we we can't. There, it's 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 over, right, Amy? I don't know, or or, or does it kind of continue after this? Does it still think, continue for whatever I reason? Think, you know how in uh, factories they have the like, like accidents, like zero days. <laughs> I think they, they get to rip that up. Um, Keith is actually back. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we're gonna allow him to to give us his thoughts. Welcome back, Keith. I'm glad your internet service is working again. <laughs> I just paid the bill real quick, so we're all good. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, your thoughts. So, Keith, I, I mean, we were just talking about the championship. We're, we're talking about you also winning your own uh, championship. Congrats, uh, <laughs> by the way, on that. Thoughts on either lifting the trophy yourself, or I assume Amy's going to ship that over at some point. I'm not sure when, when she'll say I have no, no idea. Or also on uh, Cruz Azul uh, lifting the, the trophy as well. Well, first of all, I, w- I want to thank you guys because, I mean, for, for me, I've covered League MX now for, I think, two and a half full seasons. And and you guys, for me, are, are, are such a, you know, a mountain of information for, for us, myself, Warren Barton, Thanks. you know, to interact with you guys, to see the passion you have. For me, covering the league, like any league you cover, you want to you dive in. You want to know all the storylines and you, you want to you give the viewer everything you can. And you guys have helped with that. And that's, that's not like, you know, I, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't say that lightly. You guys are the reason why, you know, 
for us, it makes Liga MX so much better to interact with you. Um, oh, thanks, I, I, would say, yeah. I, I would say being fresh to this league, I, I can't I can say I, I fully understood the emotions for Cruz Azul before. For me, it was like, you know, two or three weeks ago, people were saying, who's going to win it? And I was saying, Cruz Azul are going to win it. And they're like, well, you didn't know this is Cruz Azul, right? Like, <laughs> and I'm going, no, well, they're the best team. Like, they've, you know, for me, you know, it, there was never a doubt. But I, I started to see towards the end what people meant. I'm a Liverpool fan. We've gone through that long drought and finally got our trophy. But but the one thing I'll say on Cruz Azul, which impressed me the most, they went on that run where it was, I think, 12 or 13 games straight mm-hmm. winning. And you go, mm-hmm. okay, now they've done this too early. They're peaking so early. In a, in a playoff situation, there's going to be a, a dip in form. I think there was a dip in form. But I think even against Toluca, you know, even against Santos, even when they weren't at their very best, they found ways to grind out results. And we, we always say that's a championship team. So I think you look back, you look at a run of 12, 13 games in a row, you say, yeah, they were the best team in the league. But also, even when they weren't at the very top of their game, they still managed to get results. So credit Reynoso, credit to the, the squad. and. Yeah, I mean, for me, I heard you guys talking about, you know, does it continue? I, I like the analogy on, on the work, you know, it's zero days since the last accident. I, I, I think I, I think for me now, you have you have something here that you can build upon. The squad is is excellent. You look at the bench the other day and, you know, they're, they're, what Reynoso's ability to, to manage that squad, even in CCL, I thought was superb. Bringing in Angulo, you know, resting, you know, can I say that at the right time? So, um, I, I think there's an ability to build on what you've just done with this championship. Um, you guys probably know more about Crystal Solon and say no. They have the history of not being able to do that. Um, but but I think overall, over the last, you know, five, six months, there's been no doubt in my mind. This is the, the, the best team and uh, and the best team has, has won the championship. So congrats to them. Yeah, yeah I, think that's the, I think that's the important part about this, too, that where it felt like they couldn't they couldn't blow it, but in a very different way. Like they were the best team. Like yeah. they, there was, it, I, I keep going to, there was no reason they shouldn't win. And I know Santos had a fantastic season and we're kind of, we'll kind of get into it when we finish the topic, but Cruz Azul had everything in their power. Like even themselves, like when they went into that, it went in, when they went to that final against Pumas last season, it did feel like, even if maybe they didn't make it seem like they cared about this perception of a curse or a Cruz Azul, it did kind of feel like that mental hurdle was still there. And then, you know, it was, oh, sorry. Um, no, Pumas was the semifinal. And then the semifinals. Yeah, yeah. Semifinals. that's how I figured. Yeah, semifinals. So. too many buttons. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, it did feel like there was that there was that mental hurdle, you know, and then the, the goals kept coming and the goals kept coming and you're like, ah, it's, it's going to happen. Whereas this end, while Santos did have a fantastic season, it did feel like, there's even that mental hurdle if it's there for whatever reason shouldn't stop them from winning this championship and i you know it did it felt like the cards were very heavily in their favor and nobody wanted that to happen anymore yeah it's it's interesting because yeah like it i think a lot of us have recognized that cruces will have an incredible team we've seen how reynoso has been able to balance out his talent and he has a an incredible bench, an incredible you know list of options there. But I think for so long, so many of us, we just look past that. We're, we're like, we're like, have a seat this on team? Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. They're gonna ruin it at the end. It's like, oh, believe Bennett doesn't team? Yeah, we know. Incredible player, whatever. They're gonna somehow find a way to slip up. And it felt that way during the regular season. You're like, okay, this streak can't go any longer. Eventually, they're gonna sleep slip up. That didn't happen. 
you kind of questioned what was happening in the CCL with some of the midweek decisions, you know, playing some interesting options of starting 11. I were like, all right, they're going to slip up here. They didn't slip up. I, I thought it was going to happen in the playoffs. And it's just, you just kept, or I, at the very least, there's so many of us kept doubting them and doubting them and doubting them. And even until the last couple minutes, in my mind, I was still thinking there's going to be a way that Crucisul, Crucisul this. And it never arrived. It, it never arrived. But even until those last couple of minutes, despite everything that they've done so far this season, even until those last couple of minutes, I was like, oh, it's it's going to happen. The, the, the narrative says that, you know, Santi Munoz over Santos is going to find the back of the net. And then we'd be like, oh, there's the Cruz Soul that we know. Everything's back to normal. All right, everybody go home. Congratulations, Santos. But it it didn't happen. It's And it's such a momentous event in Mexican soccer that that didn't happen and their their curse is over. I guess you, you can say that the curse is over. I, I would say going back to the, the semi-final against Pumas last year, um, I think noise gets really loud around the team that are almost at the cusp of doing something. And that's yeah. when it'll either yeah. blow up or it'll make you stronger. So I remember this this like this isn't trying to name drop, but I, I got to interview Jurgen Klopp a lot. And I remember Klopp had lost five or six finals in a row. And I said it to him, you know, does it worry you? Does it concern you, your record in finals? And he said, no. He said, uh, I think the key to winning finals is to qualify for finals. And that was it. He was like, if we don't win this one, I have to qualify again. So there was no, like, it, for him, it was like, it's progress if I'm making it to a final. Now the next step has to be taken. And, and I feel like at that moment... When you lose to Pumas, it was a last, it was an 89th minute leveler, you know, that sends them out 4 4 on aggregate. You know, um, it was so close. They were so close to, to, to a place in the final. You can, you can all of a sudden turn around and rip everything up, but that wouldn't be the smart thing to do. The smart thing to do would be like, we are this close. How yeah. do we double that? How do we just get this last little bit done? Are we going to be mentally stronger? And I think, you know, Reynoso obviously comes in. The first two games you lose to start the season, and you're like, they're gone, man. Their heads yeah. are gone. But <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's what I was thinking then. But the, their ability then to, to, you know, I'm sure at some stage feed off the experience of being supposed to a Liga final and, and you know, falling helped them. Um, and, and I think, again, that's testament to the, the mental strength of the group, the mental strength of someone like Reynoso, who's won it as, as a player, obviously. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm a firm believer in. The, the, the loud mouths, all of us guys in the media, like all the pod, everybody, oh, they blew it. Like it's it's that narrative that if you're a very top level athlete, you got to put that behind you. You got to put that in your rear view and, and get the job done. And hey, I got to be honest, I'm, I'm happy for them because it's that's a tough situation for anyone to be that close and be, be considered a failure when you consider all the teams that don't even get that far. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'll go back to what I, I think they were the best team. Chris Armas off Toronto, we, we interviewed him because I call that those games in CCL. And beforehand, he said, we've seen some weaknesses, this and that. And then after they beat them, he came back and he went, Keith, it's a lot different playing against them than, than viewing them. He went, they're good at what they do. He goes, one of the best teams I've seen at what they do. So for me, that was, you know, a top MLS coach recognizing this is, this is a very well, well put together team, very well coached team. And uh, yeah, they're the champs. So Keith, what are the odds that Klopp uh, finishes his, his managerial career coaching Cruz Azul? Eighty percent, ninety percent, ninety-five percent. No, I'm just kidding. I, yeah. think, I think he wants. I think he wants Club de Cuervos now. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, we're 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 gonna dive into that later. We'll definitely dive into that later. And speaking, but it, yeah. and speaking of the sentimentalism, I think there is something very poetically beautiful about the fact that Juan Reynoso is the coach that gets him. Yeah. To get that yeah. championship, 100%. I think that that just plays into this narrative of how beautiful it was. You know, uh, I, I think through then I had the interview where. Uh, they interviewed Shaggy right next to Conejo Perez, and he's like, "You only had to wait a year." And then, like, he's like laughing at Conejo because he's been waiting like twenty plus years to get another championship. Um, but it is—it's so significant um, for so many people. I think our good friend Carlos Eustis had an article about what it meant to him. Uh, Leon Krauss, which is another journalist, talked about you know this feels so weird to finally win this this trophy after so long. And while the media does sometimes enjoy the that ses- that sensationalism of like let's keep you know digging in farther into that hole um our good friend adriana who's also been on this podcast or is on this podcast as a as a co-host she was she constantly was like i just want to write that article that says groups of slow league mx champions finally you know as a as a reporter and so i think there was a lot of that there was just a lot of like like we said a weight lifted for like everyone involved like finally you know it's no longer a joke and even if they even if they lose again for another 20 years, I'm just knocking on one, just kidding, Crystal Soul fans. You know, I I think that they have they have this moment and they have a very good, you know, it what maybe it wasn't the the fight because I know I was reading it and I didn't know this because I was like four, but I guess the 97 one has a very like like you know, very warrior-esque storyline to it, because like he was bleeding as he scored the goal and stuff. So maybe it doesn't have that narrative, but it does have like this this like conquering, you know, their biggest hurdle sort of storyline. Oh, yeah. And you got to be happy, too, for Chuy Corona, who's had to wait for so long, for Cata Dominguez, for Rafael Baca. I mean, these players had, who had to wait for years to win a Liga Mekis title uh, with Cruz Azul. And it was really cool. Like, Amy, you were saying some of those post-game interviews that they had with players. Obviously, uh, yeah, Shaggy had his pretty funny uh, had his pretty funny moment there because he only had to wait, yeah, uh, one year. But yeah, but, but Cata... Baca, you know, Chuy Corona. I mean, it, that's, I mean, you could see how significant it was for them lifting the title because it wasn't just Chuy Corona, it was Gata out there too, uh, who lifted it with them because I know they've been, they've been sticking around the team and they've been going through some of those finals. They've been going through some of those seasons where everything seems to be going right. Everything seems to be going perfectly. And then you lose for nothing in a semifinal, you know? So yeah, credit to, you know, credit to Cruz Azul and also credit to Santos. I think we got to give a quick, uh, Shout out to to Santos, uh, Keith. You've been you've been keeping an uh, an eye on Santos because you you do commentary, you know, on their games every now and then. And yeah, I've, I've been I've been very very impressed by them this season. And in comparison to Cruz Azul and several other teams, you know, Santos you know, ha- have this trust in youth, and they they have a fairly young squad, and it's really impressive to see them qualify as finalists. Yeah, I, I think. A couple of things that you know you mentioned the youth. I, I think Omar Campos did really well in Laguia for yeah, me at left back. I'm, I'm I'm watching him play and and he, he looks such a seasoned veteran there. I said going into playoffs, I looked at Santos and I went, where they're going to get goals from, um, and that was the struggle all season. It was like yeah. I think they had 12 goals in four games and nine in the in the other um, the other 13. So I said no, there's no way they can go on a run. Then all of a sudden Mudo just starts to. To, you know, he was given the start against Corretero. I think most people thought that Munoz was going to start that game. He got two in that game, and his form was... He just gave them, you know, an outlet in that final third. Uh, I think Diego Valdez back in the side, back in form. And then 
for me, one of the best. I don't know if he's underrated because I don't I don't see all the coverage on, on all sides. But Fernando Gorriaran is for me the kind of player that you know sets the tone for a group. He's the heartbeat. Yeah, incredible player. You know, yeah, I mean, just just a work rate. You, you know, he gets on the end of things. He sets the tone with his, his level of, of commitment to everything. Um, so I, I thought they were sensational. You add in Brian Lasano, hopefully when he, when he's back from injury as well to that group, and and all of a sudden you have a a team that can challenge again and again. And I, I think again when we talk about Monterrey, you know, uh, Club America, the, the the high profile managers that they have, the money that they can spend. For someone like Santos to, to have faith in young players um, and um, and a, a manager who I highly rate in Guillermo Almada, I, I think a lot of credit has to go to them for getting as far as they've done. And, and I expect that to continue as well. And Doria, I should mention, I think he's one of the, the top oh, yeah. centre-backs in, in Liga MX as well. So you have a you have a, a core down the middle of that team, Acevedo too, that, that gives you something to build upon for years to come. Amy, your your thoughts on Santos? Maybe uh, I see here on the on the show notes uh, overall grade for them. You want to give Santos an overall grade? I would give them an A minus, maybe B plus, but only B plus okay. because like they didn't like they didn't win it. But that's kind of unfair. I don't I don't know. Maybe that that they, they. I think you no, you probably said that for Puebla. I don't remember. I think for Santos though, um, I got to give credit to our writer at Footmax Nation, Owen Diana. He is a large part of why I was able to follow the team to the extent that I was, and he did a lot of great coverage during the Liguilla um, about Santos in English, particularly with Carlos Acevedo, with Preciado. And I think that it was a really cool journey following just like their their youth, right? Like they yeah. were yeah. they were such they're such young players put on such a huge stage, and they consistently delivered to be able to get to the final. And I think you and I actually talked about it on the last podcast, I said where their youth was their strength, but it also was slightly their weakness because there were these little moments within games where they would make simple mistakes and not mistakes were like, they're bad and oh, this is, this is going to, this is a terrible team or anything, but it was like, it's where the experience comes into play. And I think that that's where Cruz Soul was a little bit stronger going into these, you know, these two legs in this final where they're able to maybe not score a bunch of goals, but they get those extra goals. You know, they get that goal that's going to help them, um win the title you know like that like ironically enough with all these like curses and bad luck um you know that final goal that Luis Romo scores it was controversy about whether or not he was offside and that goes goes on though was he it was on it was on it was on yeah it was on I think it was on I think there was a lot of people like nah he was off and I'm like "Eh," you know it's just like I, I, I must stress I don't believe in curses I don't believe in any of those things. And I must also say, a, a B Obviously, you haven't been rooting for Cruz Azul since, since, <laughs> you, were, since you were young. <laughs> a B, a B plus. I, I, I had a professor like you in college that graded like that. And, um, I, I mean, I think you have to give... When, when you consider the, the run they had, um, you know, to play against a Monterey side, what had such high expectations, I think you have to give them an A, Santos, for, for getting themselves into yeah. that position as well. I mean, for me, anyway, maybe I'm an easy grader. <laughs> All right, so what what are we what are we giving Cruz Azul? I mean, I mean, we can't really. I mean, uh, what what kind of final grade would we give to Cruz? I mean, that's that's got to be an A plus, right? We can't really find many faults with them. I thought first place uh, team in the league. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Nothing wrong with them. Yeah, I would give them an A plus. A, a, a plus for me. <clears throat> Played at the t- highest level. No, the only thing I would say it would have been nicer if they were ending the season on that run where we saw like some of the great football, the twelve straight wins, but. Either either way, it doesn't it doesn't matter. You you showed how good you can be. If you look at any championship team, I think we all forget about that. Like we all say, is there a romantic way of winning? Of you know, the finals are generally eh, 
Not not the, yeah. the greatest of performances. Sometimes they can be a grind. Sometimes, particularly when you've done that long without a trophy, you can be a little bit nervy as well. So, yeah, I think it has to be over the, the course of the season, given that you lost the first two games and the added pressure of what happened in the semifinal has to be an A+. All right. I think we should uh, move on to uh, the other championship game that we had in recent days. Oh, really so quickly, what... before we head oh, sorry, over... Sorry, go, 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 go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Final. Um, just I would show them one again. Hello, Alex. Hello, Giovanna. Hello, Licho. Hello, Rudy. And I think we had one more. Hello, Louis. So far, you guys have entered the sweepstakes for the final for the giveaway at the end of the show. I see that there's like 12 people here, but I only have like six names. So if you want to just enter your name into the comment section, you'll be entered into our spin the wheel. Wait, what exactly are we giving away? I, I completely forgot. We, do we have an actual jersey? Like, what's what's no, going no, on here? No, we're gonna give. I'm, them I'm not being given away here, am I? We're gonna give away Keith Liga, Liga Madness trophy. <laughs> Don't worry, Keith. Keith is fully vaccinated. He'll be ready. No, he'll be, <laughs> yes, I am fully vaccinated. So you know, I'm <laughs> wait. Wait, Savi, what are we? What are we giving? I, I, I completely. No, well, the, well, after after I pick the winner from the wheel, I'll DM them and then we'll arrange because we don't know people's sizes, we don't know their preference, True. so we'll, we're literally giving them whatever jersey that they want. Now, don't go crazy because this is coming out of Cesar's account, so you know we have to oh. be mindful. Of... Hey, that's a tax write-off. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, yeah, so let's move on uh, to uh, last night's other Mexican soccer championship. Chivas put in an incredible effort, but ultimately they lost to Tigres Femenil, who are now the Liga Mekis Femenil champions again for the fourth time since 2017. Amy, you're the resident uh, Liga Mekis Femenil expert here. Uh, I mean, just thoughts on the game, thoughts on the goal fest, thoughts on the, it's just inevitable. They just, they're, they're, they're just the giants of, 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 of women's soccer in Mexico. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was hope, and I don't, and we, and I say that uh, without disregarding the powerhouse that Tigres Femenil is. You know, they're just an they're just the what's the word like the blueprint of what feminine teams mm -hmm. should aim to be in the Liga Max Femenil. Um, we thought that it was going to be a tougher battle. Chivas did come out to fight at you know after the second half, kind of close to the end of the first, getting that first goal. But to score three goals in like 20 minutes again after that, for after we saw that in the, the last match of the regular season, um, it just proves that, you know, there's that mental, like we were talking about even with Cruz. So there's that mental hurdle that that teams get when facing uh, Tigres Femenil that I don't think, especially when you're going to the Volcan, especially when you're facing off, you know, again, in their own in their own home, it was it was something to, it was something crazy. I mean, I, I wrote about it in my final column about the Liga Max Femenil. If you look at the entire sequence of the Liga this season, Tigres scored six goals on America, six goals on Rayadas, and then seven goals on Chivas within their two-leg series. So that's 19 goals in favor for Tigres. Like, they, and it, 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 there's just nothing else to say. They have a, a fantastic team. Um, Medina has, you know, has coached them very well. I, although I, I, my, Consistent argument is that Medina doesn't have to do that much work given the players that he has. Stephanie yeah. Mayor is just on another level. She's um, incredible. Yeah. You know, she she just take she just takes on defenders like no other. Um, but the thing that everybody said about whether or not Chivas was able to win or even if they lost, you can't take away from what they did this entire season. They had so many departures. 
during the preseason, a lot of people left them, you know, for lack of better terms, like left them for dead. So they probably weren't even going to qualify. They probably weren't even going to do that great. And they just kept fighting and fighting. And, you know, they made it. They, they made it to the final. They had an interesting first leg. I think it could have they could have complicated it for Tigres by scoring some of the chances that they had. Caro Jaramillo, unfortunately, missed her PK in that first leg. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it could have been like a 2-2 going into the second leg. But it wasn't, and then they go to Volcan, and Tigres just scores within the first couple minutes, and then it was basically over from that point on. And it was just about Chivas showing once again that they're they're a fighting team, and they came back and scored three goals of their own. <laughs> they even scored a golazo <laughs> at the very last second. I mean, they just um, kept scoring. I, I just I couldn't keep track of all the goals at the end. They just kept going eight, on. I mean, eight total goals in the second leg. I mean, Liga MX Femenil is just an entertaining league, you know, in general. Um, but Tigres is the top team, and we Adriana and I have said that over and over again. Like, if Tigres were to win this, then they're the best. There's no argument about it. There wasn't really an argument about it beforehand, and now they are. They're so good that the league announced a Campeón de Campeones tournament for this season if there was two new champions. <laughs> but Tigres won last season, this season, so they got two trophies. <laughs> and they were going to go claim their victory because... They were going to face themselves. Somebody joke like, why don't you just put Tigres A team over <laughs> versus Tigres B team for the Campeón de Campeones? I, 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 will, I will say this is one side of, of, of Mexican soccer that I need to watch more. And it's it's not a case I'm not wanting to. It's just covering MLS, covering, you know, uh, uh, so many leagues. It's like, you know, when you've watched four or five games in a row at the weekend and then you're sitting down, it's like, can, can my mind just rest? But I'm really good friends with Janelli Farias. We've known, known each other for a long time. Janelli's like one of the funniest people, <clears throat> one of the best people I ever know. So it's my mission, you know, that by the end of next season, I have a command on the league. I saw some of the pictures from the stadium last night and, and the crowd and stuff like that. And it looked absolutely amazing, you know. And uh, But but yeah, it, it's something, me as a broadcaster, I feel like I have to I have to, to, to work and, and have a better understanding of it. I, I think, you know, being honest about that is, is good, but I can promise you at the end of the next season, I won't be in the same position. So. All right. Well, on to the next segment, Keith's going to give us a deep statistical analysis of the fine. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, I, I think, I think a lot of, I think a lot of soccer fans feel the, the same way. And I feel like, I know sometimes I can also feel a little burnt out by me trying to keep track of, USL, you know, Liga Vecchi's, Liga Vecchi's Femini, what's going on abroad. It, it, it could definitely be overwhelming nowadays. But what's very cool to hear is that you hear a lot of what you're saying, Keith. It's just like a lot of people are just intrigued by it. And you can see why they're intrigued by it. You see the images of how many fans there are. You see the level of play. You see, I mean, even if you only catch 20 minutes of, of, of yesterday's game, you would have potentially have seen you know, a handful of goals. So what's promising is that there's excitement there. And I think that there's potential for growth. And yes, I mean, Tigres are the ones who are dominating everything right now, but there's a serious amount of potential with this league. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. I've covered a lot of the the Women's Youth World Cups. And uh, I remember a couple of years ago covering Dana Castellanos at a youth level. And I'm going, oh my God, this this, this is like a top, top player. I saw she scored the weekend for Atleti, uh, ending Barcelona's run of games without a, a defeat. Um, and, and I remember watching Spain and thinking, actually called it, I think, with Shannon McMillan. And I remember saying, we're not going to be, we're not going to be number one for much longer if we, if we keep, you know, <laughs> if we keep 
you know, just being at the same level because I looked at Spain and I saw an identity, I saw a structure, I saw a commitment to develop players. Um, and I, I think anybody that doesn't understand uh, the reason that, you know, women's soccer doesn't have the profile in the leagues is because of the financial commitment that, you know, mm-hmm. um, the leagues uh, haven't, haven't put forth. Television contracts haven't been there. It, it, that's the only thing that's ever stopped, you know, women's soccer being on the same level in terms of, you know, television and, and those kind of things. I watch women's soccer for years, um, thoroughly entertaining, but now you just feel like the, 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 the people are getting behind it more in terms of on the financial side. Yeah, we will back it. Uh, and if they do, um, it, it's great. I mean, it, it's, you know, I don't have kids, but if I have a daughter, I want my daughter to, to watch young women playing at the highest level, letting my daughter know that that's possible as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm excited to continue to watch it de- de- develop. Um, I've heard about the team. I know Janelli. Janelli's with Club American, no? Correct. So yes, she's with Yeah, that, she, that you just said they conceded six goals, so we'll definitely be mentioning that to her. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to, to watch the continued... I don't want to say development because the, the players are there, but the, the the backing financially for these clubs to, to give them the same platform that the men have. And I think once that's there, it's just going to grow and grow. Yeah, and that was something interesting, yeah. um, just to kind of slightly digress into the uh, into the Leomex Feminine in general. Um, one of the things that, that is slowly forming is the changes that Iradola mentioned in a press conference, I think, early last week. You know, uh, the numbers speak for themselves and that's so much of the grassroots efforts that a lot of people in the U.S. and in Mexico have done. Um, I think yesterday's match, right, it was like it was in a full stadium because of because of protocols, obviously, but there was a ton of people there. And then the streams, I think it got to like 45,000 people that are watching. So the audience is there and it's constantly growing. Um, and, you know, people, people like you, Keith, you know, it's not necessarily a fault because of those broadcasting issues, but that's something that was mentioned in the pre- in the press conference that Ideola made, right? They want to figure out a way for all the games to be streamed everywhere possible right now. Um, luckily for these two finals, right, Chivas has broadcasting rights with Telemundo Deportes and then Tudene has Tigres. So you were able to watch those two games seamlessly here in the U.S., which doesn't often happen. I think for Rayadas, for the Clásico Regios, um, Fox Sports has their rights. So you don't you don't you can't watch those games directly. People find ways, obviously, but you can't always watch those games directly. But there are going to be those changes that are going to. A, uh, make it grow. Um, Rui Morales just asked, you know, what are your thoughts on the changes to Liam XMNU? And one of them is that they're going to be allowing two foreign players into every team that next season, which is really exciting to see. Now, does that mean a team like Theaters will probably have the upper hand in stuff like that as well? Probably, but it does create a uh, good competition. And when you do see that growth in investment or that growth in interest, it, it the parity won't necessarily be there because the top teams will still be the top teams. But you will see more people get, you know, start grabbing an interest. I mean, we'll talk about it later, right? But Club Necaxa with their new owners, who's to yep. say that doesn't trickle down to the feminine side? And what does that mean for their feminine side? Because of the fact that they're two grown institutions. So um, I think it's been awesome. We have had a lot of growth here on the English side as well with more people or more outlets trying to get coverage, even if it's just weekly recaps. And even if, you know, sometimes people don't realize it, saying we need to do more to increase the coverage <laughs> of it. So I think that that's, that's, a, that's a good problem to have, that even if they don't realize that there's been people that have been growing it for the last couple of years, we're starting to gain that coverage. And I think that when you see 
exciting games that have eight goals in the course of 90 minutes. It just increases <laughs> that attention even more. Before before we forget too, let's give a quick shout out to Chivas Femenil too, just for being competitive, like highly competitive in this final series. I mean, it's not easy to score three past Thetis and you know, getting four over two games. So I thought that that was incredibly impressive for them. And I want, I want to go to you on this, Amy, really quickly. I mean, it's 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 really, really difficult to outplay Thigdes Femini over two legs. But I feel like, I don't know, like I feel like Chivas like, fans can still like hold their heads high after that because I was definitely impressed with them. I thought... I don't know. Like I, they had, you had that Golasso from Caramillo. You, you know, I thought Cervantes did well up top too. It's, it's incredibly difficult to get a good result against Thigas, and they. I want to say that they held their own. And I think that if we're looking towards the future of you know Mexican women's soccer, you know Chivas are definitely be on the forefront of that too. And I think even though sometimes it turned into a joke, I am kind of serious when I mean like when it comes to the way that we put so much investment or the league put so much investment into their men's side, which sometimes doesn't provide that many results that can kind of turn into something positive for the women. Of course mm -hmm. you want both of their, their teams doing well. Right. But I think you saw that with Chivas Femini this, this season, Chivas men's side, wasn't that great. It was kind of lackluster. And you saw that fight on the feminine side that even with their players, they weren't necessarily star studded players. Some of them, I mean, you had Licha, you had Caro, uh, Blanca Felix has a great legacy over there as a goalkeeper since the very beginning, even with their championship win. But they fought. Chore Mejia had a good system in place that even if he didn't have ideal players there, they got to this final. They did well. And if you look at not just the final, but if you look at that uh, that final game of the regular season, Chivas scored seven goals on Tigres. Feminine. Not many teams can say that, even with better players than what Chivas has right now at their arsenal. So, yeah, I mean... I think Chivas Femenil had a very good season given what everybody expected them to do during the preseason when everything kind of just fell through. And this helps attract not just Telemundo Deportes to say, hey, we want to keep broadcasting your games and Chorda to stay to continue developing his project, but for players that maybe aren't getting enough playing time with their own teams. And they're like, you know what? Whatever we heard about Chivas or might have heard when everybody left at the preseason, well, we can see why the players stayed. And now yeah. we want to go join you and we want to help you. I think that, um, you know, e even when um, Valenzuela scored that golazo at the final minutes, Chore was yeah. clapping and he was proud of his team. Like he, of course, he would want to win. Um, but during the postgame press conference, he said, I spoke to Amari and, you know, this is this is just the beginning. Like this is, you know, we're going to keep moving forward. Like it's not necessarily a failure. We just have to keep forming our project. And so, yeah, um, completely proud of Chivas Femenil. Yeah. Um, even as, you know, a, a an America fan, just as a fan of the feminine side, that's one of those cases where you did see something good form. You did you did see a good project be taken seriously, invested in properly, and you get the final result, which is going toe to toe with Tigres. Yes, they scored five goals <laughs> on you, but you scored three goals on them. And that's something that you can hold your head up high and say, what can we do next? I think Vado actually <laughs> messaged Melissa and I after the game. He's like, okay, when does the league start? I'm ready to get going. <laughs> What I want to know, though, is before we talk L3, is uh, Keith, uh, are you going to embrace a certain Liga Mekis Femenil team? Are you just going to kind of be like, nope, just going to try to be a broadcaster who's just, you know, unbiased, you know, watching the whole league? Or are you think going to focus on one team? I, I don't I don't believe in unbiased. Like for me, if I'm watching something, I, I, I'm invested in it. Um, I've talked to other people within this industry 
and I, I cover I've covered football for a long time. I've never hidden the fact that I'm a Liverpool fan through and through. Um, when I'm when I'm covering the league, I have to be invested in a team. So um, that doesn't mean I'm going to tell you who that team is. Oh, I thought we were about to hear. It. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I so the whole idea for myself and and Warren, who call who I call a lot of games. But, when the pandemic allows, we, we want to go down and visit a lot of stadiums. And, you know, we, we've been to a lot already, obviously. Um, but we want to we sample some of the biggest games in, in, in Mexico. Um, that will give me a bit. I have an idea who I want to support now, but I want to keep that on the wraps. Well, um, Rudy in the chat says you should go for Atlas. And that is not a bad answer because they have a very good promising team as well. So. Yeah, well, obviously, obviously the links with with, um, with Santos too, and and um, oh, are you talking on the on the on the, the women's side? Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. No, I feel like I will support the same men and women's team. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't be able to crisscross. That would be too complicated for me. I'm not a, I'm a simple man. So if it's if it's if it's a team on the man's side, that's going to be the, my my team on the women's side as well. All right, well, we'll have uh, if, if I pick a team, I'm with them through good and bad, even if they struggle. We'll have uh, Tom might be listening, he might he might send over like a Santos Femini or Atlas Femini jersey at some <laughs> point soon. <laughs> but let's move on to L3. Uh, let's talk Nations League. Mexico has arrived uh, in Denver. Um, it's still <laughs> incredible to believe that we've waited this long for the semifinals of the CONCACAF. Uh, Nations League, and technically still the 2019-20 edition. Amy, your thoughts on L3 as a uh, look ahead to take on uh, Costa Rica this Thursday, since you got a chance to see Mexico get the a two to one win over Iceland over the weekend. I did. I was in Dallas. It was my first time outside in 400 plus days. It was something crazy. Um, Texas is a whole nother area you know kudos to the good people of texas and they, ooh, to the I bad people of texas. pandemic there oh god no that was it was like non-existent i was like no i'm gonna keep wearing my mask it's fine but uh i thought that there was i thought it was diego linus show through and through first yeah. of all I, I well at least until chuki got on right but i think at the beginning you're kind of like okay what's going on we're you know i know it was like an own goal i think for iceland's goal um and so you're kind of just like my son is beating on my door. That means that we're almost. He just has there. a lot. He just has a lot. He wants to say about Diego Linus right now. He's just a huge Linus, <laughs> and that's the thing. What's going to happen on on Thursday? Yeah, I totally. Agree. He's like, don't forget to <laughs> mention his dribbling. Yeah, I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. True, and I th I think there was there was there was understandable worry. You're kind of just like, all right, we're not converting anything. We're not. I mean, Iceland was was you know picking up was putting this. Uh, I can't think anymore. My son left. <laughs> but I think that once you made those subs, it was beneficial and you see the potential of what they can do against probably not that much of a lot, you know, not that great of a Costa Rica, you know, without trying to get too confident. Um, I think Chuki's on fire. I think Lionel did a great job. Edson in the defense was, you know, top notch. So um, I'm a little bit confident going into this. I think we all expect that U.S.-Mexico final for the Nations League match, yeah. but... Um, it was cool. It was cool to see them play again when Herrera chipped it over to give Chucky the header goal. It reminded me again why I love soccer. It was very <laughs> cathartic as the first as the first game. So, yeah, kind of interested to see what they do these next two games. Though. Keith, your thoughts of looking into the the semis for the Nations League? Is it as simple as saying, 
It's going to be Mexico versus the United States. Just, you know, put on the bets right now. That's the final we're going to be seeing. Or do you think Costa Rica, you know, who have sometimes been the the David to the Goliaths of, uh, of world soccer out there, you can never take them too lightly. Maybe they're going to give Mexico some, some issues. Maybe, you know, the United States might have uh, some issues against Honduras as well. And I'm not going to lie, there's definitely a part of me that think would be quite funny to see a Mexico versus United States third place match because that's something that's going to be happening <laughs> that might happen in the in the Nations League. But but I know, or, or is this is this destined for another Mexico versus United States, uh, you know, in a final matchup championship game? Yeah, I, I think it should be. Um, I think you know, US are playing at home. Um, I mean, let's let's put that out there straight away because when you're at home statistics will tell you you know in this region it, it, it jumps up you know in in magnitude in terms of how many wins you should get so i watched the us at the weekend against switzerland i wasn't that impressed defensively um with the performance i think there's a question mark over who plays alongside brooks uh in midfield um i know weston's going to play but without tyler they, they they lack a little bit of that you know defensive steel in there as well so i i think you know, I don't. I don't think they're all. They're just going to walk out there and 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 you know steamroll over Honduras. I think they'll present problems. I think Costa Rica always present problems in these games, but but ultimately, I think we will see a Mexico-U.S. final. But just with the timing of of everything coming at the end of a long season in Europe, the games almost immediately being played. I don't know if it's the quality that we're you know we're, what we're going to hope for. You know, I saw. Some of the Iceland game, I didn't think it was Mexico at their best either. So I think we're going to see two tired groups going ahead to head. Maybe that maybe that goes out the window when you're playing your biggest rivals. Um, obviously, the focus is on, you know, this maybe more so than the Gold Cup, given that, you know, a lot of players that are based in Europe probably won't be involved in that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think no disrespect to Costa Rica or Honduras. I think they'll be worthy semi-final opponents. I think it, it may get tight in those games, but I, I think we are looking at a U.S.-Mexico final, and it's... I'm not quite sure who more pressure is on here, because Greg Berhalter's, you know, waited a long time for competitive, actual games. I think, Tata, when, you, when you've watched some of the, the, the Mexico games, you said, okay, I can see the identity already. I think with Greg, this is this is a big litmus test for him, and, and I think almost maybe more pressure on him given, you know, the U.S. are at home to get the result and, and, and get the win in Nations League. Yeah, especially since it looks like for the national team, and I'm not saying that's the full senior national team, but I think a lot of excitement kind of encompasses the Olympics. At least for me as a Mexico fan, what I'm feeling most excited about isn't the Nations League. It isn't the Gold Cup. It's the Olympics. And I think, you know, not that I think, but Tata has definitely said beforehand that the priority for the FMF, you know, this summer is going to be the Olympics. So I'm not saying that if Mexico doesn't win the Nations League, you know, if they don't win the Gold Cup, that would be a failure because I think they need to at least win one. I think in order for the senior team to have a successful s summer, they either need to win the Nations League or they either need to win the Gold Cup. They're capable of doing both. We'll, we'll see what happens. But I do think that I, I do think that the focus and a little bit of more the attention um will be towards uh the olympics maybe, maybe casual fans maybe i don't maybe more casual fans will be paying attention to actually i don't know maybe even i don't know amy what, what are your thoughts on this because maybe because at, at first my guess is that casual fans would be caring more about the gold cup but i don't know it's the it's the olympics a lot of us have quite fond memories of 
not the last Olympics for for uh, for all three, but 2012 for obvious reasons. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the bigger deal for fans as well. I don't know. How, how do you feel about it? I think the Olympics are the priority in terms of just that international recognition and competition, right? Just through and through. But I think that the Martinos made it very obvious in all the press conferences leading up to this summer that he still has a job to do, right? He's not in charge of the Olympic team. That is Lozano's job. That is his priority. Those are his players. He's fully going to support him in that aspect, whether whoever it is that he decides to let let go, quote unquote, um, for the for the Olympics. But he still has a job he has to do. And so while this Nations League probably is like eh, minuscule or the, the level of, of play might not be to the expectation that we might all have from an international level he's still gonna prior he's still gonna want to win this he's still gonna want to win gold cup um so i think with that in mind with the type of coach that tata is with the gold cup win that he got in 2019 that was almost flawless in its execution um i think that i think the priority will still be the olympics but for mexico to win any and all competitions is a very it's a very small gap in priorities. That's first, and then the other one's going to be second. But it's it's still going to be important either way because while you have the youth doing what they can potentially do on a great level in the Olympics, you have to look at the veterans, and then you're going to have to look at the those two meshing together for qualifiers that are going to be coming up later this year. All right, well, we got just a few minutes left on the pod, so before we uh, dive into Nick Gaxa and also we can probably dive a little into Gloob the Corvo stuff too if we really want to dive into that. But let's get some predictions. Keith, who's who's winning it all in the in the Nations League? Who, who, who are you thinking? <laughs> who are you thinking, man? Come on. What, what comes to mind? You don't have to overanalyze it. We'll just... It's okay. We're not recording this or anything. It's just between the three of us. <laughs> I, I think Mexico will win. Um, okay. I, I, think, I, I think the U.S. is still a team that's... Um, trying to figure out its identity. I, I know they have a way that they want to play, um, but I, I don't think that Greg knows the the the, the personnel um, long enough or has worked with the personnel long enough to know the partnerships, to know who's going to be the number nine, whether it's going to be Josh Sargent, whether Moose is going to start in midfield. So I, I think everybody in the U.S. is so excited because Weston's at Juventus, you know, Sergio's at Barcelona. Well, these big players, these big players. Okay, but you still have to find a way to make them, you know, fit on the field to, to get that chemistry. And I think we saw that against Switzerland. Now the U.S. is, is no longer the team that sits back and the fans and hits on the counter. They, they want to be the protagonist now. And that's, that's a different game. And I think if you want to be that way against Mexico, um, you're, you're vastly underestimating the, the ability of yeah. the, the, the Lionesses, of the Chucky of, you know, we have a lot of seasoned Mexican internationals playing their trade for a long time at a really high level in Europe. So um, that's my long-winded way of saying I I think Mexico will win it. (laughs) And I think it'll bring a lot of scrutiny to Greg moving forward. But yeah, I I look through the squads and I I see which is further along and I I say Mexico. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely... We're not saying it, so it's okay. This is a biased show, so Keith is saying it. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I think Keith definitely has a point. I mean, I saw a part of the Switzerland game, and I feel like there's something there that Greg is trying to build with the team, but I just don't think it's entirely finished just yet what he's trying to do with the U.S. men's national team. And I still have some questions over their back line. So I think because that, when you have Linus, when you have Chuki, and I think Chuki and I have talked about this beforehand, 
he's not just a very fast, you know, clever dribbler. When you've been watching him in Serie A, you can see his positioning is getting better. His defending is getting better. And I guess that's what happens when you hang out with like Gattuso for like a long time is like <laughs> he just developed this like more physical style play. But like, I feel like there's so many times that he just knows the exact moment to chase the last defense, exact moment to chase when they're passing the ball back to the goalie. And I think he's going to be such a headache for the U.S. men's national team, for Costa Rica, whoever it is that he goes up against. He's going to be su such a headache for them. And I think that he's going to be an integral piece to why Mexico wins it. I don't know, Amy, right? Agreed? Uh, you, of course you would. You, you wouldn't root against Mexico, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that while we probably will, I think Keith is right, and well, we probably will see a lower level of competitive play for them. I think that we are more seasoned. We are a little bit more experienced in just playing together. Mexico is. I think Tata Martino is implementing a system that he is really comfortable with. Um, yes, he's not going to have role this summer. Yes, he's not going. Maybe he's not going to have some of the players that would perfectly implement that system for him. Um, but once they, once they got it moving against Iceland in that second half, I think you saw the, the good of what Mexico can do. And I think we'll see a lot of that over the summer with his team, both in nations league and in gold cup. And now to wrap things up, let's, uh, Keith, how much money are you putting in for the $1.3 million for our 1%? Um, I'm going to go talk to my bank manager in the morning. Um, if you, if I you sell the Ligia madness trophy, I think that could potentially cover it all. <laughs> I think it could cover it all. Limit as well, to be completely yeah. honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So is for those who have, is it all going to be legal though? Is it all going to be legal at the end of the day? <laughs> yeah. Next said, wait, 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 hold on. You're doing what now? <laughs> yeah. So, so, so for those who haven't heard the news, so Nakaxa, they have some new investors. Um, they include Eva Longoria, Mesut Ozil, Sean Marion. They're, they include some baseball players, some former basketball players. It's a fascinating list of uh, Mesut Ozil and his American friends, it seems like. Uh, and uh, they were hyping up the fact that as new investors of Nikaxa, um, uh, they're going to try, they're going to have, uh, you can buy an NFT token of the Nikaxa logo um, and you can own 1% ownership of Nikaxa. It, it got some attention. It's the most we've ever talked about Nikaxa in quite some time. And then Liga Mackey stepped in and we're, we're basically, long story short, they put out this press release and it was like, you can't do this. You can't just sell a part of the, of the team without our approval. So I don't know what's going to happen. It's fascinating nonetheless, <laughs> but we'll see if that goes through. We also see if Club de Cuervos and, you know, the, the Netflix show, the, the people who are involved with that and also a former, uh, the former general manager of the Houston Astros, they might team up. Uh, to to buy San Luis and to turn them into Club de Cuervo. So that's something that's that might be happening down the line. But you got to bring Chava in. I mean, if that happens, you got to bring Chava in, right? You got it, right? Hugo Sanchez, like Hugo Sanchez here, like the minute that it's announced. <laughs> you know, re real quick on that, Orlando Silver, who was um, worked at Univision, was at Fox Sports, one of my bosses when I first started covering League MX, he told me. Because I've been learning Spanish for you know a couple of years, and he said, "Dude, watch Club de Cuervos," and I was like, "So it was, it was me and Marisa do," and um, we said, "What's it about?" And he was like, "Dude, just watch it. You're gonna love it." So about a month later, 
Mo called me and he goes, dude, have you been watching this Club de Queros? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I, I like it, man. It's, it's a good show. <laughs> like, we, we were both like addicted to this show right up until the, to the conclusion. Obviously, it kind of, you know, the, the, the curse of not winning the trophy and all of that. But I absolutely loved it. So, I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe it's not a bad move to, to, to u- utilize that name and the amount of people that have seen that show. But, uh, yeah, I have fond memories of watching Club de Queros. It'd be the most Liga Mekis thing of all Liga Mekis time for something like this to happen. But I would absolutely embrace it. Uh, but but before I talk about why I would be I would want to buy so much Club de Cuervos uh, merch, Amy, you just sent in the chat that you got about a, a couple more minutes left. So anything else we need to take care of before we wrap up the show? Yes. Uh, thank you to everybody who entered the chat. You've been entered into the sweepstakes. And now I will... I can't share my screen with you guys because I was trying to figure this out and it won't let me. But I'm going to spin the wheel now and we're going to find out who is going to be DMing me to get their jersey. So here we go. It's very exciting. Click to spin. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Watch this going to be Amy's name. Congratulations to... Oh, that's so annoying. I wish you guys could. Giovanna A. I'll go ahead and screenshot this. So you guys know that I'm not lying. Giovanna A, congratulations. If you would please DM me later on, we can go ahead and get you situated with your brand new jersey. All right. Excellent. Congratulations, Giovanna. And uh, I think that's about it for us. Thanks to listeners. Thanks to Keith for uh, for literally you know, parking in the parking. I would have been like, you know what, guys? I think recorded i don't care i'm not gonna record this from from my car so shout out to keith for for putting up with us while he's just been sitting in his car so thank you man uh shout out obviously to producer amy for posting these pods don't forget to give us a rating review on apple podcast if you want to connect with us on social media you can find us on twitter at mech soccer show and on instagram at the mexican soccer show thanks again and until next time we'll see you on the next episode see you all around